Good afternoon and welcome to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, a Wednesday trade that brought us some some higher numbers in the grain complex, especially when we look at the corn and the soybeans. Wheat at least had some mixed trade. Uh, we see Kansas City, the one that really kind of took it hard. On the flip side, lots of green on the livestock. We'll talk about that as well. Did we see some kind of reversal going on? But was it a full reversal after a good technical day yesterday? More importantly, we had the Fed's statement today. Also, crop maturity as harvest continues to take place. As we take a look at everything that's happening, we bring Arlen Suderman into the conversation. Arlen, of course, is with Stonex. So let's talk about the Feds because they were talking right before you and I started the program today. Any thoughts on how it might set the tone for the rest of the week? Yeah. Uh, as, as we look at what the Fed said, it, it, to me, it wasn't any real surprise. Uh, they're pausing the rate hikes this time around. Um, but uh, they certainly gave a, a hawkish statement going forward, maybe a bit more hawkish than what we had at the last meeting, indicating that uh, they generally believe that more work is needed in order to uh, bring inflation down to the 2% mandate, and that means softening the labor market some more. Uh, they believe another rate hike is needed yet this year. Uh, when you look at their projections of each of the members and you average it together, it would suggest maybe two rate cuts next year, which would be uh, a more hawkish view than what they've had in the past, and then maybe more rate hikes in 2026. They, um, in 2025, excuse me, they indicated in their projections they thought maybe we would hit the 2% mandate for inflation by 2026. So that means maintaining a tight monetary policy for a while longer. So we saw interest rates pop when they, uh, uh, int- yields on treasury yields, I should say, pop when the, when the statement first came out. Um, that caused the dollar to go higher as well as demand for the greenback increased. Uh, we have since then, as we've gotten started with the press conference, we'd seen those Treasury yields come down. But as uh, Chairman Jer- Jerome Powell has been at the microphone in the press conference since 1.30 Central Time, we've seen those Treasury yields take off again as he's had a hawkish tone to him in his comments. So h- what higher yields do higher interest rates do is they increase the cost of storing grain. They increase, therefore, the carry in the market in a surplus production type of environment. And the bottom line to the consumers who are listening out there, it ends up with higher food costs. And uh, so I guess summarizing it and putting it simply, that's that's the end product of today's report. So looking beyond that, obviously those are going to be some some influences. Are we seeing any other outside influences that might be affecting our grain and even the livestock, whether it's a, a crude oil happenings or just the stock markets in general? Yeah, I was going to mention the crude oil market. Uh, on Tuesday, we saw WTI crude oil prices reach new one-year highs, more than one-year highs. And in doing so, they pushed above some levels of chart resistance, but closed back below it. And that triggered a round of profit taking. The The market was overbought, technically overbought. So we saw some profit taking. Um, today, we saw some follow through selling on that. But the general trend is still in place. Now, we might have a significant correction here 
after what we after the topping action that we saw on Tuesday. But the longer term fundamentals are still showing that we are tightening up the supply of oil. And one of the factors receiving very little um, discussion is the fact that uh, during the times of surplus oil, we had lots of floating storage out there or ships just loaded with oil that are floating and those have disappeared dramatically. That's not the case anymore. And our strategic petroleum reserves are really run down low. And our number of wells have been in decline because no hedge funds wanted to put money into fossil fuels in the current political environment. So while prices were improving, it takes a higher price to really justify now putting uh, the investment into new wells. And OPEC plus has been cutting back on output. So um, the economy and the demand, particularly from China, but also in the U.S., has been strengthening a little faster than expected, but supply has been getting tighter. And so crude oil prices are going up. And I said last January I wouldn't be surprised if we were at $100 crude oil by in the next year and we're getting close to that right now and that should help our biofuel programs and it should eventually give us some support i'm not going to say don't this isn't a panacea but some support for grain and oilseed prices well as we hit the final part of this first half let's start talking about crop maturity uh, what you're hearing and and how that's been a, a grain market factor yeah, we really, the first half of August was wonderful for extending the maturation process. But then after that, it turned to flip the opposite way, very hot and dry across the core of the Midwest, especially west of the Mississippi. And that tends to lead to smaller seed size. And so that's what I've been fearing, and that's what we're seeing in the early harvest results. Now, I, I don't put a lot of confidence in early harvest results. I want to see us get deeper into the harvest before I have confidence in it. But so far, everything's telling me smaller seed size, which then translates into lower yields. That's what I'm expecting out of USDA in October. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the channel final bell. We'll come back. We'll continue to talk a little bit about the seed side, especially what it means from a soybean perspective. And then an interesting trade on the livestock side. Of course, we know that it, not a good technical day yesterday for the cattle. We'll see what it meant on a Wednesday. Is it a reversal or just a little glimpse? We've got a lot more coming up as we continue on this Wednesday. It's the channel final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. It's harvest season and you're in Graham country. If you have a problem in the field, use the Graham Tire locations in Grand Island and Kearney to help your operation get moving. With the 24-hour road service, you don't have to lose valuable time. Plus, Graham Tire is the largest Goodyear and Titan replacement dealer in North America to give you the options you need. They can even get tires for your pivot after harvest is done. If you need help, your first call should be to Graham Tire, Grand Island and Kearney. A great summer getaway includes a relaxing hilltop experience at Mulatavist Winery, St. Paul, Nebraska. This is Mick, and our award-winning Nebraska-made wines are second to none. Our panoramic view is sure to impress, and our delicious cooked-from-scratch appetizers and meals, delicious. Now serving select beer and spirits, too. Mulatavist Winery, the perfect summer getaway. You can't go wrong. Remember, the party is always better with Mulatavist Wines. Mulatavist Winery, north of St. Paul. A lot of us to winery.com. KRVN. 
Welcome back to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And when we left off, we were talking about uh, crop maturity. And then, Arlen, you mentioned seed size um, being a big concern. Probably more at this point for soybeans than what you're hearing for corn. Well, actually, I think it's a problem for both. Uh, we're certainly seeing it in both. And the, the seed size issue comes up is is closely related to the speed of maturation or the speed of the maturing of the crop. Um, corn being more temperature heat units related, and so that can the hot temperatures can really speed up the maturation. Or like 2017, when it was very mild in August, it really lengthened that maturation process and gave us big kernels, a lot of depth of kernel, and therefore we were all surprised at how high the yields were. This year we started off that way, but then it really flipped the other way to extreme heat and uh, started speeding things up real fast. So as I look at it, I'm looking at the pace at which USDA reports each week that the corn crop is reaching maturity, uh, comparing it to other years, um, very comparable pace to 2012, although it happens earlier in the calendar in 2012, the rate of maturing uh, is showing some similarities and definitely seeing that in soybeans as well, although soybeans are also day length sensitive, so that was also a factor in there. But with both, we're seeing in the early results so far some earlier seed size, particularly in the central and western parts of the Midwest. Eastern Midwest was much cooler, did not have as much stress, had a little bit more moisture, and uh, so we're not seeing it there so much. But in the end, we're anticipating that it's going to continue to result in lower yields. Now, I did see it show up to some extent in the September 1 data that was released with the last USDA crop report on the 12th. Not as much as I would have expected or not as much as I expect in the October report. That's because USDA weighs its field samples that it collects in developing its yield estimates for for these reports, but for this, it only weighs what's mature. And on September 1st, when it did the September resampling, only 18% of the corn crop is mature, and that first maturing corn would have been least impacted by the late season heat, and only 16% of the soybeans. So I think for the October report, it'll show up to a much greater extent. Hopefully, we won't have a government shutdown. I remember in 2013, we had a government shutdown in October, and we never did get the October report. Um, so we'd be flying by, you know, flying blind a little bit if that were to happen. But uh, that's what I'm looking for anyway at this point. Switch gears and head over to the livestock side. Uh, Tuesday, not really a good technical day for cattle. The reversal of today, kind of give us your thought on, on the two days. Yeah, as we look at uh, Tuesday's uh, uh, action, we saw the October contract uh, push to a new contract high and then break lower and close below the previous day's low. That's called a key reversal on the charts, and that's an indicator of a possible change in direction for the markets, maybe a top in the markets. You can also get the opposite showing maybe a bottom in the markets. It's not 100%. Uh, in fact, we've had these over the last year from time to time. The latest one was in late July. And after that, we saw the market break about $7 before working back up to new highs. So will that happen again this time? That's yet to be seen. We did bounce again today. 
it did not take out yesterday's high, so we have not undid that key reversal down. The action that we see and follow through tomorrow is going to be key. We really need to take out that uh, Tuesday high of 187.45 on the October contract to really undo that key reversal. So will we see the cash price stay about steady this week? Yeah, the thinking is that we could end up a dollar either side of unchanged from last week or unchanged from last, yeah, from last week. Uh, the expectation is that we're going to hold right in here. We've seen the product prices start to seasonally drift lower, but the demand for cattle is still there. The tightening of supplies is still there. A lot of it's going to hinge on the cattle on feed report that we get coming out uh, later this week on Friday. Expectation that it's going to show that continual shrinkage of the supply overall. Um, what we're watching for is at what point do we start rebuilding that cattle herd? That means holding back heifers, which would tighten the supply up even more. Our expectation is that we would start to see that in the fourth quarter of this year. We'll be watching in the cattle and feed report Friday, looking at the number of steers, looking at the number of heifers to see if we're holding more heifers back. That'll be one of the clues and, of course, then a reduction of cow slaughter as well. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. My handle's Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's channel final bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the channel final bell being brought to you by Channel Seeds and all their local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.